been talking about the fruit of the Spirit and the love that comes from the fruit of the Spirit. And today I'd like to go back over that again, if yes, you would allow me, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Yes, sir. He's a good God. I'm going to be going from two scriptures today. I'm going to be reading from at least two scriptures. Let me not limit myself. Two scriptures today. Uh, the first one can be found in 1 John chapter 4. And the second one is going to be back in Galatians chapter 5. Um, we, we, wrote, we, we actually went through Galatians 5 because we were thinking about the fruit of the Spirit. And right after that, this, this interesting scripture um, is given to us that I'd like to kind of hook onto, lots of my thoughts onto today. Um, what the interesting scripture can be found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. Um, it's an interesting, really, really interesting scripture, especially in the King James Version. It's beautifully written. I love the King James Version so much. Um, Galatians chapter 5, verses, uh, verses 15 and 16. And it reads thus, But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye not be consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. I want to drive, dive down to verse 24, uh, 25 and 26. And then it says, and they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with uh, the affections and lusts. And this is the verse I really was fascinated by. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. That's a really subtle difference there, and I'm going to tie on to that in a second. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Galatians is a beautiful scripture in so many ways, and it's centered around this idea of the fruit of the Spirit, and how we are supposed to have the fruit of the Spirit, and what the kind of, um, what the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. Remember, we don't recognize a tree by its leaves, Necessarily, we don't necessarily recognize a tree by its branches. Certainly, the roots are completely invisible, so I have no idea what that is. But the fruit gives it away. The the, the Ohio State um, football team and basketball team are referred to as the Buckeyes. You, I challenge anybody to show me a Buckeye tree without without actually knowing what the Buckeye is around the tree. Like if I scattered Buckeyes around an apple tree you folks would be telling me that's a Buckeye tree, right? It would be, be easy mistake to make. My point is that the fruit is the evidence. The fruit is the evidence of the tree. So if you want to know if somebody's walking in the spirit, if you want to know if somebody's going according to God, look at their fruit. The unfortunate thing about looking at their fruit is that it requires time to evaluate. Like if you're looking for fruit in winter, it's no good, right? Looking for fruit in winter, I have to wait for the time of harvest. So when you meet somebody for the first time, you say, well, I've seen their fruit. Not necessarily. Let's wait and see what they do first. This may be their autumn. They may not have fruit. This may be their winter. It may not be their time for fruit. We have to wait for them to walk in a way that we understand, ah, I see the fruit now. I see where they had the excuse to bite and devour somebody and instead decided to be kind and gracious. That's the fruit of the Spirit. I see that. But sometimes you have to wait for the fruit to be revealed, which is why verses 25 is so important. 
Verse 25 is so important. And it says this, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Don't you know there are some people who are claiming spirit, but when they have the opportunity to walk, they're not walking in the spirit. <laughs> like they're claiming it, they're saying, yep, I am, I am walking in this, I am walking in the spirit, I'm claiming the spirit, but when it comes to actually their execution, uh, that's when it starts to start to see the breaks in the cracks in the, in the facade of whether it's the spirit or not. I'm asking us to be authentic walkers in the spirit. Uh, and it's not an easy thing when we talk about faith and our walk. The obvious thing we can talk about are the, are the things on the outside, the way we're dressed, what we are doing, whether we're drinking, who we're hanging out with. Those are the easy things. The thing that is really difficult is what's going on on the inside, because that's between you and the Lord. Are you walking in the spirit? One of the differences between in the spirit and walking in the spirit, I want to kind of highlight this. I remember when I was young, we used to go to fairs and we used to ride on the ride. Do you remember with kids, you put the kids, there's one particular ride that used to frustrate me as a young five or four year old child. Because it didn't take me long to realize it was something wrong with the ride. You would get put on the ride, there would be a steering wheel in front of you, but you would be going on a track and even though I turned left, the car continued to go right. And my mom kept putting me on this ride and it didn't take long for me to realize there's no connection between the wheel and what the car's doing. Like that was predetermined already. It looked like I was riding a bumper car, but what I was actually doing was just sitting there watching everybody and watching them watch me as I went round in circles. <laughs> it looked, I thought I was driving. What I was actually doing was being driven. Being in the spirit and walking in the spirit are two different things. Let me give you another example. When I was young, I had a bike. It had the stabilizing wheels on the left and right. I thought I could ride a bike. I was convinced I could ride a bike. And my brother took the stabilizing wheels up and boy oh boy could I not ride a bike. I was a late learner to riding a bike. I really was, I was a late learner, it took me a long time. I remember a girl down the street helped me turn corners for the first time. She was younger than me and she helped me, <laughs> right? But I thought I could ride a bike because I was on a bike. I was on a bike, but being on a bike and riding a bike are actually two different things. And we can fool ourselves into thinking we are walking in the spirit and really what's happening is the spirit's walking with us. There's a difference. There is a big difference between being around it and the spirit being in you. That's a big difference. One of my favorite films is The Matrix. In the middle of The Matrix, Morpheus says to Neo, he says the difference between knowing the path and walking the path. There's a difference between, no you can be on a good path by accident, but if you don't recognize it's a good path, you will walk off it and be on a bad path and not realize what's going on. 
We have to know what walking in the Spirit looks like and be deliberate about walking in the Spirit. Don't let just you being on the train make you think you're the train driver. <laughs> you're not. You're taking a ride. So what do I mean by that? We have to develop our own ear to listen to the Spirit. We have to receive Him into our hearts and listen to Him. That's how we know we are being in the Spirit and walking in the Spirit because when He says to take a left, we take a left. We are in the Spirit. <laughs> Oftentimes we're on other tracks and He goes right and the Spirit was asking us to go left. You weren't in the Spirit, otherwise you'd have gone that way. Does that make sense? We have to be in the Spirit. So there's an important thing about being in the Spirit that is repeated in the other scripture that I want to talk about today. It's from 1 John. I'm going to come back to this scripture, but I want us to jump to 1 John chapter 4. Now, the, the epistle of John is written by um, John, the same one who wrote, wrote St. John, the, the gospel. That's what we are told is the same writers of the, these epistles is the same one, St. John. And in the, the epistles of John, is the most talk about love of any, anywhere in scripture. Like, the word love shows up more times than any other book in the New Testament, first, in 1 John. It's a small letter, but he talks about love repeatedly. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 begins by saying, Beloved. He starts off with love in this. He starts the sentence. In fact, if you go back to chapter 4, the start of chapter 4, he says, Beloved, believe not. He's, this idea of what it is we are to each other, he centers it on his greeting to you. How I start a conversation really is really how I intend to go on. If I want something from my wife, I may ask and very make sure I'm asking politely to make sure I get what I want at the end. He's starting in love because what he wants at the end is love. Right? Start with love, end in love. So what does he say in verse 7? Beloved, let us love one another. <sighs> yes. we're, 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 he's situating us in love and he's saying we've got to love one another. And look at the reason why he says we've got to love one another. For love is of God. Love is of God. Our ability to love is directly attributable to God. Love is of God. We have to reflect what the Lord our God is. And we do that by love. Love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God. If you can love in this way, that means you are born into this. <laughs> there are certain things that I do right now I can't help but do because of who my parents are. When I smile, my cheekbones and my um, cheeks look just like my mom, I'm told. And I believe my wife when she says it, right? She says, you when you smile, you look just like your mom, right? I can't help that. It's just ours. I never tried to do that. Now, she says, when I walk, I walk like my dad. Can't help it. I got a little slice of his genes too. So the, the scripture's telling us 
if you are born into this, if you've been born again, as it were, you should have some attributes that reflect who birthed you. Like, even for children who adopted and fostered into the family, they take up the same traits as the family that loves them. So it doesn't matter that it's not my natural father I'm talking about. I'm adopted into the family of Christ. And so I get to have some of the same attributes as my father. So if you don't see certain attributes in me, it's reasonable for you to say, are you really that child of that person? <laughs> you see how it works? I have to reflect where I'm coming from in the way I act. <laughs> My dad was a preacher, obviously. <laughs> and he was known in Wolverhampton, which is where we're from. Very well known. Um, which meant that as a young man, I had to be very careful about what I did, where I went, and who saw me. Like, whew, I could get it because they know who my father was. There was an expectation on me. Fair or not, I don't care what, you know, whether it was fair or not, it doesn't matter. They knew who my dad was. And so they could ask, what are you doing here? I know who your dad is. That came up more than once for me. <laughs> right, sir? So there were certain places, it wasn't that it was bad, it's just that it invited certain questions that I didn't want to have to answer to my dad. <laughs> so to order to make sure I'm reflecting on him, I didn't go there. <laughs> All right, so I want to reflect what I'm born into, and I'm suggesting that we are born of God. And not only am I suggesting that we are born of God, but I'm also suggesting that we should know God, and therefore that should impact us as well. Being born of him, being born again, being born of the water, as it was spoke about in St. John chapter 3, you've got to be born again. I've also got to know who he is. It's not just enough for me to be born again, to be baptized as it were. I have to also now know who he is, learn about him. <laughs> I want to know about you. I remember uh, my dad would tell me about my grandmother. Uh, my grandmother was a woman, she, he told me constantly, she would pray. And she would pray, constant prayer. He said he, said he remembers waking up at night, at two o'clock in the morning, and she was praying. It was for the next meal. It was for, you know, fundamentals that we don't necessarily think about. You know, he tell, my father would tell me that they, if he wanted water, he'd have to draw it from a well. He tells if he needed food, he would go to uh, pick them off the trees. Um, they lived a very subsistence lifestyle. So his mother was a praying kind of woman. That's how he was. That's what he handed to me. I am my lineage then. And I've got to make sure I know that when I, so when I do certain things, I know why I'm doing it. It's what I've been given. It's what I know. It's what I'm born into. But look at what verse 8 says. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. So I've been going on about this for a few weeks now, and I hope you'll be patient with me, because it's important. This scripture is really why it's so important. Like, if we can't get love right, that means we really don't know God. 
Like, this is what it's saying. I've looked at it from every angle. I've looked at it in different languages. I've looked at it in the Greek. And I can't get around this. But if we can't love each other the right way, apparently it's because we don't know him. And I don't want that to be for me. Like, if there's anything I want, it's not to, it's to that I don't be attributed with that. But look at also what it says. <laughs> he that loveth not, knoweth not God. You don't know God. For God is love. <laughs> In verse 7 it says, for love is of God. And then verse 8, it actually takes it a step further. Love doesn't just come from God. Love just isn't an attribute of God. God is love. God actually is love. <laughs> and again, we're talking about the agape love, the sacrificial love. Look at what verse 9 says to back up this idea, this principle. It says in verse 9, in this was manifested the love of God. You want to know what this God of love did? This is how he made it known that he was love. This is exactly how it was proved. Because God, that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. This God of love, let it be known that he was a God of love by sending his son to us so that we could live. This is the same Saint John from St. John chapter 1. Let's just go there. Can you get that for me real quick? St. John chapter 1. St. John chapter 1. There's an important message here because we can think that uh, God is love sitting up there, but God is love to us down here. Matthew, sorry, St. John chapter 1 reads. In the beginning. In the beginning. Was the word. Yes. And the word was with God. The word was with God. The word was God. So this is an interesting word. It's, the word is actually for the, from the Greek logos, a thought or a concept. We're talking about who God is in his entirety. He is everything. So in the beginning, is only God. And this thought, this concept is God. Keep reading. Verse 2, the same was in the beginning with God. Yes. Verse 3, all things were made by him. Yep. And without him was not anything made that was made. Nothing is in existence without our God creating it and putting it there. Verse 4. In him was life. Yep. And the life was the light of men. In him was life. Verse 14, if you can jump down for me. And the word was made flesh. And the word was made flesh. Here's where we get deep now. The word was made flesh. This is the same one who's writing both of these, these, these scriptures. I need to get somewhere. Keep, keep reading. And the word was made flesh yeah. and dwelt among us. And dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. Yes. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. So this word, this God became flesh and dwelt among us. Meaning, the definition of love, okay. the very definition of love, love showed itself to be love by becoming Christ in the flesh yes, yes, okay. yes, and he's not sending a piece of him he's sending all that is love to show us to manifest as the scripture says he wants to show love to us so he puts himself in flesh yes, sir. Yes, sir. so that we who are lost can now be found so that we that are in darkness can have some light yes, if you want to know what love looks like in flesh look no further than Jesus himself it's love 
in the, it's living, walking, breathing love. It is the manifestation of love. He is love. Back to 1 John chapter 4, it says, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Just to give us life, love became flesh. Herein is love. This is what love is. This is exactly what love is. Not that we loved God. <laughs> the love that we are talking about today isn't that we were able to recognize God. It's that he was able to love us. And the scripture says, it's, he sent his son to be, that's a 25 cent word here, propitiation for sin. It's a long, big word, but it simply means the atonement or the payment for sin. Propitiation for sin. He sent his son to pay the price for sin. I'm, getting, I'm still getting somewhere. So he's saying to us that I've sent my son because I am love and I'm showing love by sending my son. He sends his son to pay the debt we couldn't pay ourselves. Right? And he's also saying, unless you love, and he's telling you what love is right here, unless you love, you're not of God. We are drawn into relationship with Christ to reflect love because that's what Jesus is. So, beloved, verse 10, herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the payment or the atonement or the appeasement for our sin. Beloved, if, this is the whole point here. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. You know what we said in, in, in we just got back from, um, from St. John chapter 1. It says, love, God became flesh and dwelt among us. We just read that, right? But look, Jesus went back and became with the Father. Death, burial, resurrection, ascension, right? We, we all know that happened. So if we want to see God in the earth right now, if we want to see love in the earth right now, you can't say, look at what Jesus is. We have to say, look at what we are. We bear the responsibility now. <laughs> so if I want to talk about the love of God to somebody, I don't necessarily, I do tell them about Jesus, but that has to reflect now through me. I bear the responsibility. He says, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. This isn't easy. I think we all want to, you know, we, we think about fasting, that's really, really hard. We think about prayer services, that a longer prayer service, that's difficult. Nope, nope, and no. We think about, you know, what we are allowed to go and what we, we permit ourselves to do and not do. I think love is the biggest and toughest lesson. Like if love was the thing that forced Christ to the cross, what, it is, what is love asking of you? 
What is the destination for you for the love you have? I know sometimes you get weary. You're the one person who's, you know, maybe you're the representative in your family or maybe you're the light or shining in your employment place. Maybe you're the light that's shining in, your, in the club that you, the book club you have. Whatever it is, it's on you to be the light. And I know that's difficult, but Christ gave us the example. Beloved, verse 11, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen, look how he says this, no man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. If we love one another, his love becomes perfect in us. And the word perfection here, doesn't necessarily mean that it has no faults. That's not what it's talking about. When you look at the original translation, what it really means is that it's made complete or it's met its purpose in us. So love in us is meeting the exact purpose of why Christ came to the earth. It's met its purpose. If we love one another, we fulfill the purpose God had for sending his son to us. When we stop loving, we stop fulfilling the perfect purpose of love. If you want to finish the cycle that it begins with Christ, we do so by loving one another. Thank you, Lord. I've just got a couple more verses, then I'm going to take my seat. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us his spirit. We're right back to Galatians now. We're right back to Galatians, that the spirit is showing us how to love. We're right back in the book of Galatians. Walk in the spirit. It's connected, it's all connected, I assure you. Walking in the spirit will produce love, Love shows us how to treat one and each, each other. Love shows us how to fulfill who Christ is in the earth. Love shows us how to be like God and to be part of love. But we have to walk in the spirit and we have to walk with love. Let me go back to my scripture. Let me go back to my scripture in Galatians. Galatians chapter five and verse 25. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. If we're gonna say we're the church, we've gotta to have to make sure we are doing what church does. And if that definition is, from, is correct from the Bible, it means that we love one another. Now, if we talk about the love of Christ just for a moment, it was best expressed by the cross. The scripture says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That is the love that we talk about when we talk about the love of Christ. Sometimes I think, I was mentioned this a few weeks ago, we want to have brotherly love because we can cut that off in a minute. We want friendly love because we can switch that off when we're ready. But this is calling for a new kind of love, that we love each other, that we sacrifice for each other. This is the love that I want. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of this word.